In today's rapidly changing world, we all have questions and we all want answers. It's on this program that we get our answers from the Word of God. It's time for another episode of A Relevant Word with longtime pastor and best-selling author, Carl Gallup. This is A Relevant Word with Pastor Carl Gallup's Carl is a pastor of Hickory Hammock Baptist Church in Milton, Florida, in the Pensacola area, author of several best-selling books and all over media. And now it's a, another episode of A Relevant Word. And today we were just discussing, Carl, about one of the great mysteries of the Bible. Um, it's something that uh, you, have to, you have to believe in the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit as being one, and we refer to it as the Trinity. Right. Now, you're going to, we're going to take a deep dive into the doctrine of, of the Trinity. Yes. You? Yes, we are. And 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 listen, I, I know you're out there listening to me right now. Don't turn the radio off <laughs> when, when you say, now today we're going to the study doctrine. the doctrine yeah. of the Trinity. You know, people go, oh my gosh, I don't want to hear this. Okay. But here's the deal. Here's the deal. I, I promise I'm going to make this relevant and exciting, especially in, this, in, in, in the last segment, because in the first segment, I'm going to set it all up and show you from the scriptures that it's right there. It's right before our eyes. It's clearly defined. Now, let me just be honest. This is quite controversial in Christian circles. It's quite difficult and complex, or at least it's often made complex, but I'm going to make it very, very simple. Not because I think you, the listener, um, are simple. It's because I'm simple. <laughs> and that's, and I like to understand things in a simple way. And I like to speak them as simply as I can. So, so hang in here. I think this is going to be, I know this is going to be worth your while to listen to because by the time we get near the end and you take everything you're going to learn or, or, or be refreshed if you already know it, but then we're going to get into something that pulls it all together that should probably make you say, wow. Wow, I never realized the depth of this before and why this is so important. All right, so let me just get to the teaching part. Now, hang in here with me. Here's the bottom line. We use the word Trinity, and I know some people cringe at that. There are whole denominations out there. So there's no such thing as Trinity. There's one God, that's it, and all this stuff about God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, you know, that's blasphemy, and that's not. Well, actually, 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 it's not. So let me just, just hang in here with me, please. I'm going to make a biblical, contextual case for a biblical, contextual understanding. Then I'm going to make it super-duper relevant to you to the world, to where we are, to what's happening, to what God is doing, and what our place is in it, okay? Now, let me be very clear and very honest. The word Trinity is not found anywhere in the Bible. <laughs> well, how can we have a doctrine of the Trinity if there's no Trinity? Well, it's, it's, an Eng it's just an English word we use to describe, you know, Trinitarian, to the, the threefold nature of something. Uh, okay, so, so that is just a word we use to describe it. But the question is, is the concept in the Bible it clearly, is it clearly and contextually in the Bible? Yes, actually it is. Now, let me just give you the concept uh, very quickly, and then I'll fill in some of, the, some of the details of it, okay? But the concept is this. 
is does the Bible say that there is only one God? Yes, the Bible is clear about that. All right, and so are Christians, if we're honest about it. There's only one God. We don't worship a pantheon of gods, you know. And 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 and, and but but you, we have to start there. Does the Bible say that? Yes, it does. And some people are already shouting at the radio at me right now. I can hear them, Kevin. I can hear them screaming right now. They're saying, "Well, there, you just said it. There's only one God, and there's not more than one God." Oh, okay, but hang in here. But does the Bible say these things also? Does the Bible say the Father is God? God is the Father. God the Father. Yes, Old and New Testament. I mean, that's that's the easy part of this. All right? Yes. The Bible says there is one God. The Bible says that God is Father. That is Creator, the, the everlasting one. God the Father. Okay. But does the Bible say the Son is God? Yeah, Old and New Testament. You say, where, where does it say that in the Old Testament? Uh, how, well, we'll in several places, but let's start with Isaiah chapter 9. Unto us a child is given, unto us a son is born, and he shall be called Everlasting Father, Almighty God. <laughs> I mean, okay, Prince of Peace. Uh, and, and the government uh, of the world will be upon his shoulder, and of his reign there will be no end. That's Isaiah 9. What, 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 what's his name? Uh, he will be called Almighty God, Everlasting Father. Who is it? This son that will be born, this child that will be born, a son will be born to us. That's Isaiah 9. In Isaiah 7, it says, yes, and here will be the sign to you, prophet. Uh, the prophet Isaiah tells Israel, uh, there's coming a day when a virgin shall give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, meaning God with us. Okay, so the Son is called God, even in the Old Testament. And that's in context, folks. And again, I could do a whole program on just that, what I said, but we don't have time. Let me move along. In the New Testament, Jesus is called God. He's, he's God the Son. With the first page of the, of the New Testament in Matthew, it quotes Isaiah 7 and said, This is to fulfill what the prophet said. Behold, uh, a son will be born to us, born of a virgin, and he will be called Emmanuel, meaning God with us. That's right there in the first page of the New Testament. So we continue to move through. Listen, Jesus' enemies knew that Jesus himself even called himself God or referred to himself in God-like ways that if I said it, Carl Gallup said it, you would say, Gosh, that guy thinks he's God. Well, Jesus used the same language. I, very quickly, I could preach another whole message just on this, but I don't have time. But I'm just thinking of a couple in John chapter 10. Uh, Jesus is talking to a group of Pharisees. It's at one of the big festivals, and they pick up stones to stone him. And because of everything he's preaching and teaching, and listen to this. Jesus said, for which of my miracles are you going to stone me? He was kind of putting them in a trick bag there. And they said, we're not going to stone you for any miracle. We're stoning you because you, a mere man, are claiming to be God. Okay, so his enemies knew he claimed to be God. The Bible claims he's God. The Old Testament claims he's God. Um, uh, and, and, and listen, so you, John opens his first gospel. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. You can't get any clearer than that. Uh, Colossians chapter 1, and everything was made by Jesus, everything that's been made. The universe, through him the universe was made, and everything that was made was made by him and through him and for him, and everything holds together in him. Wait a minute, only God made everything. Genesis 1.1, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Yet Colossians 1 says, yeah, that's Jesus. They created the heavens. Well, then who is Jesus? He's God. God who? God with us. He's, he's the one called Emmanuel. And, uh, okay, so 
anyway, again, I could preach for an hour on this, but let me move along. So we ask again, does the Bible say, not Carl Gallup's, not Baptist or Assembly of God or Catholics or Lutherans, does the Bible say there's only one God? Yes. And by the way, I'm going to come back to Deuteronomy 6 where it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord thy God is one. That's very important. The Bible says there's only one God. Does the Bible call God the Father? Yes, Old and New Testament. Does the Bible call the Son God? God the Son. God with us. Emmanuel. Yes. Did even Jesus' enemies know that he claimed to be God? Yes, they said it in John chapter 10. So we can't dispute that. Now, so the Father's called God. The Son is called God. Is the Holy Spirit called God? Yes, Old and New Testament. I'm going to let that sink in. I pause for effect. Yes. Hebrews chapter 9, the Holy Spirit of God is referred to as the eternal spirit of God. Eternal. How long is eternal? Forever and ever and ever. Of God. Of God. Of God himself. The spirit is God. God is the spirit. As a matter of fact, Paul says that to the church at Corinth. He says the spirit is the Lord. And and those that are in the Lord have freedom in the Lord. They are free indeed. The Spirit is the Lord. In Genesis 1, 1, and 1, 2, and 1, 3, in the beginning, God, Elohim, created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was formless and void. And the Spirit of God hovered over the face of the deep. And then he said, let there be light. Well, what do you have here? You you have God. And, and and his spirit, who is the Lord, the Bible says, is hovering over the face of the deep. So, so the Old Testament refers to the Holy Spirit as God. The New Testament refers to the Holy Spirit as the eternal God. And the Spirit is the Lord, and the Lord is the Spirit. The New Testament refers to Jesus as God, God with us, God, Emmanuel. Jesus referred to himself. His enemies knew he referred to himself that way. Um, uh, the, the Old Testament refers to the Father as God. The, the, the New Testament refers to the Father as God. Uh, The Bible is clear. There's but one God existing eternally in three persons, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. See, because people say, well, I don't like it. I don't understand it. I don't believe it. Well, it doesn't matter. None of that matters. All that matters is what the Bible says. You see, that's like a fish saying, I don't believe there's eight billion things called humans living above me somewhere five miles up in, in, in another dimension of, of what, we're supposed to be on a ball floating in space? What's a ball? What's space? I don't understand that. What's a human? I don't get it, so therefore none of that exists. Well, that fish is wrong. We're the fish. We're talking about God here, folks, not just a big man sitting in a rocking chair floating in the sky on the clouds. We're talking about the eternal creator of the universe, one God who exists in three persons. The Bible says that. Now, let me go to Deuteronomy 6. It says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord thy God is one. All right, that's what it says in the English. Here's what it says in Hebrew. Hear, O Israel, Yahweh your Elohim is Echad. Okay? Yahweh, that's the eternal one, the creator of everything, your Elohim. That word, I've done a deep study in it in my book, Gods and Thrones, but I can tell you, get anywhere on the internet, on a good Hebrew site, and t- see, I'm telling the truth. Elohim means God, but it carries with it a plural form, a plural nature. El would be God. Elohim has a plural nature to it. It's like the word deer. Look at the deer. Look at the deer. What did I just mean? Did I mean one deer or 20 deer? It, I don't know. Until you see it, you don't know. The deer. It could be one deer. It could be 20 deer. Deer means it's written the same way. It's pronounced the same way. It can be singular or plural based upon the context. So the, so, so, the, 
So what God is saying in Deuteronomy is saying, hear this, Israel. Now hear this. Yahweh, who is your Elohim, who has a nature of plurality about him, is ikad. That word ikad translates to one, but in Hebrew it means a singular unit made up of components, like a car is one, but it's made up of a transmission, an engine, and tires, an electrical system, etc. But it's an ikad. It's one thing. That's where I'm going to stop because we're going to go much deeper and make this much more relevant. This is Irrelevant Words with Pastor Carl Gallops, and we'll return right after the break. For more on Pastor Carl or to listen to his podcast anytime, visit carlgallops.com. For more on Pastor Carl or to listen to his podcast anytime, visit carlgallops.com. This is Irrelevant Words with Pastor Carl Gallops. And Carl, just before the break, you were talking about the Trinity, and you explained it in a way that made a lot of sense to me. Thanks. It's like how a car is one, yeah. but it's made up of several components. Right. But it's just one. It's one thing. I don't it's go, one thing. Yeah. If I said, hey, man, where's your car? And, and you pointed and I said, well, no, that's not your car. And you said, yes, it is. And I said, no, it's not. It's, a, it's an engine and it's an, a transmission and it's tires and it's an electrical system and it's a fuel system. You say, stop. Yeah. It's a car. The triune God is hard to, even people who have been studying the Bible and have been a Christian for a long time and a believer for a long time. It's hard to wrap your it head is. It is. around God being three people, three parts. Yeah, three existing eternally in three persons, yet being one. And and so it's it's similar to the human. We're made in his image, but we have a body, mind, and soul. Now, now that's no little thing. Think about it. I mean, our body, you can keep it alive on a machine, but your mind and your soul may not be working. Right? Okay. You can have a body and a soul, but your mind might not be working. You can have a body and a mind, but your soul is so disconnected from God that you become pure evil. I mean, so so we're really three and one. And when all three, you know, essence of who we are, when all three parts, let's call it parts, then they're not really separate from us. They are us. So we are one, but yet I have a mind. I also have a soul to which my body, to which God speaks to me through his spirit. And then I also have a body. So I, I motivate around the, I mean, I'm, I move around the world in my body, but my, my mind makes decisions and, 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 and then my brain actually makes the bodily functions work. And then my soul it speaks to my moral character. It speaks to my heart and my mind about who I am and what I'm going to do with my body and where I'm going and how the Lord communicates with me. So there's an example that we are kind of created as triune beings like that. Now, God is so much more than that and so much more powerful than that. But for people that have a hard time understanding, well, how can something be free and one at the same time? We are. <laughs> Automobiles are made up of multiple components, but we never refer to them by their components and then add their components. Well, we just said, that's my car. you know. So it's the same thing. That's what Ikad means. And here's the thing where it says, Hero Israel, Yahweh your Elohim, and that's the hint, is Ikad, and there's a bigger hint. God could have used the Hebrew word, or the Holy Spirit could have used the Hebrew word, Bada, there, B-A-D. 
B-A-D-W-D or B-A-D. Uh, it's not pronounced bad like we do in English. Bad, which means a singular, singular thing. He could have said, hear, O Israel, the Lord is bad. The Lord is singular. There is n- nothing else about him that has any personal characteristics. But he doesn't say that. He says, hear, O Israel, Yahweh, your Elohim, is Ikad. And those Hebrew words have very specific meanings. Now, let me move all this forward. And thank you for all of that, Kevin. I appreciate you firing me up about it. But always remember, folks, when we're talking about God, just always remember this simple illustration. And it always helps me. I have to remind myself about this all the time. We are fish at the bottom of the ocean trying to talk about everything that lies above us, five miles up to the surface, 27 million species of life, 8 billion human beings, and everything that goes with it, everything about us, the way we live, male, female, children, uh, automobiles, internet, cell phone, uh, airplane travel, I mean, deep space, I mean, you know, scientific knowledge. I mean, they, a fish has no clue about any of that. We're like gods to them, if you will. They can't see us. They can't even get to us, yet we exist just because because the fish can't comprehend us, just because the fish can't see us, just because the fish may not even believe in us, doesn't mean we're not here. We know we are. And the whole world around us with all of its life is here, whether the fish understands it or not. We are the fish when it comes to talking about God. But we're not left alone because we have the Word of God. And so we ask those questions. We're going to talk about the Trinity. I don't understand it. It doesn't really matter what you understand. Let's ask what the Bible says. Does the Bible say there's one God? Yes. Does the Bible speak of a plurality when it speaks of that one God? Yes. Does the Bible say God, the Father is God? Yes. Does the Bible say the Son is God? Yes. Does the Bible say the Spirit is God? Yes. But does the Bible say there's only one God and there's not a pantheon of little individual gods running around claiming to be God? Yes. It does say that. Now, the demons masquerade. Satan masquerades as a God. That's why the first two commandments, thou shalt have no other gods, little g, before you. All right? And thou shalt not create any graven images unto them. In other words, put it in our modern terms, don't build any landing pads for them. Don't build altars. Don't don't sit down with Ouija boards and try to summon them up. They'll come. You know? I mean, that's what the first two commandments tell us that. Why? Because there's only one living God who is one, yet three in one. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, the three in one who is one in a perfect unity, yet eternally existing as three persons. I don't understand that. Well, the fish doesn't understand us either, but here we are. Okay. Now, now, let me move along. Now the question is, how do we make this relevant? Okay, so there's there's an a, a, a concept that is in the Bible. By the way, in the first three chapters of Genesis, we see a picture of the Trinity. We also see it in chapter 4 and 5 of Revelation. So from Genesis to Revelation, we see it. Watch this. In the beginning, God, so there's God the Father, created the heavens and the earth, and the Spirit of God, there's the Holy Spirit, hovered over the face of the deep. Then by the time you get to chapter 3, it says, and God walked with Adam and Eve in the cool of the evening. Before he creates Eve, he says, and God brought animals to Adam and he named them. Then he created Eve, put Adam into a deep sleep and brought Eve to him. The first wedding took place. How's God doing that? He's putting on flesh to communicate with his creation. He's looking like them. There's God the Son, God in the flesh, if you will. There he is. He communicates and fellowships 
fellowships with the angels. He communicates and fellowships. Listen, Abraham, in the book of Genesis, it says he looks up and he sees three men coming. He thinks they're men. We find out later as we read through that chapter, chapter 19 and following, that two of them are angels. They're going down to Sodom and Gomorrah and getting Lot and his family out. And the other one is, the Bible says, and Yahweh, the Lord, remained with Abraham. Abraham's sitting there talking to God who's in the flesh appearing in the flesh. So you see these Trinitarian pictures of God, this unbelievable, incomprehensible being who is our creator, yet existing in three persons eternally. We we say, as a fish, we call him God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, three in one. And even that, the Bible says all of that, but even that is not really a perfect description of the holiness and the bigness of who he is. Now that we know that, what difference does it make? All the difference in the world. This is what separates our faith system from all the others on the planet. This is why Satan mocks it. It's why the internet mocks it. It's why the other religions of the world mock it. Oh, you're the you're the three God worshipers. You're that Trinitarian. No, no, no. We worship one God who is beyond your comprehension, who exists eternally in three persons, yet is always one. Oh, that's gobbledygook. Yeah. Okay, Mr. Fish, talking about humans. You're right, but it doesn't mean they don't exist. Why is it special? I go all the way to the prayer that Jesus prayed right before he went to the cross, John chapter 17. You hear Trinitarian language all through there. He talks about, I am one with you, Father. You are one with me. And I want to give to them my wisdom. I want to give to them myself after I leave. Now he's talking about the Holy Spirit because he has already promised that he will send the comforter. He will send the spirit. So we're hearing God, the father being addressed. We're hearing God, the son doing the praying and referring to himself as one. We're hearing that he himself will send the Holy Spirit, his gift to them to lead them into all wisdom and to protect them. All three are being spoken of out of the mouth of Jesus, but as one. Then he goes on to say, and father, my prayer is that you would glorify me so that they could see the glory I had with you so that they could know that you have loved me from the beginning. All right, now why is that important? Here's where it gets very, I mean, I got chill bumps on me talking about it because I know where I'm going. You don't know yet, so hang on. But here's where it goes. If you ask any other God of this world, and I don't want to disparage other faith systems, but there are faith systems that have a God, and they've got a name for the God, and I am but one, I am this God, and there's only one, and I do not have a son, and I do not have this and that. And it's basically a mockery of what the Word of God says about the, you know, the Creator God is three persons. But think about it. If you ask God, so where were you before the creation? What were you doing? Uh, Jesus just answered it. He said, I want them to see your glory and my glory so that they will know that you have loved me before the creation of the world. Uh, What was he doing? He, He already had fellowship. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. He already had unity. He already had love. Here's what this means. All the other gods of the world, you ask them what they were doing before the creation, if they're trying to mock and pretend like they're some kind of God. I am one. I've always been one. There's no other. Okay, so... The reason you made us then is because you needed somebody. You were lonely, right? Um, You needed somebody to bow down and love you. Uh, You know why God made us? He didn't need us. He doesn't even need me. Kevin, he doesn't need you. He doesn't need me. He made us because love. He loved us. He thought of us. And he created us like a husband and wife. Why do you make all these children? You don't need them. (laughs) You know, because we 
wanted to love. We wanted to pour our love out. We, just, we made them in love. We don't need them. In fact, sometimes they're more of a pain to us than, than anything, more than a blessing, but we love them. Well, would you die for that? I would throw myself in front of a freight train for my kids and my grandkids. But, but they really don't do much for me other than love me back. I mean, at this point in my life. So, so it's similar. God didn't need us. He loved us. That's why Jesus, he's not praying for himself. Show them my glory because I'm so glorious. He's saying, no, I want you to, I want them to see the glory. I am one with you. You are one with me. I want them to be one with me. Therefore, they'll be one with you. I want them to know that all of this is done in love. I love them. Listen, Satan doesn't love you. The demons don't love you. None of the gods of this world love you. None of the other gods of these religious faith systems love you. None of them, none of them went to a cross. None of them would go to a cross. None of them would take the beating, the whipping, the death, the mocking, the, the horrific thing that Jesus paid to bring us back into fellowship with our Creator. We were stolen. Our hearts were stolen. Our lives were stolen by Satan. Satan uses us. He devours us. The demons want us to 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 somehow um, bless their lives. They don't want to bless ours. God, on the other hand, says, I love you. I want you for my own. I stepped in front of the freight train for you. I bought it back. I'm bringing you in to my presence to be joint heirs with my own son. That separates us from every other faith system the planet has ever known. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, eternally existing, didn't need us, brought us here because he loved us, went to the cross to bring us back because he loved us. It's a relevant word. Thank you, Pastor Carl Galps. Thank you so much for listening. I'm honored that you did. May the Lord bless you and keep you always. Now more than ever, we need to listen to God. He still speaks through His Word, the Bible. Each week, Pastor Gallops shares what the Word of God is saying. Even now, a relevant word with longtime pastor and best-selling author Carl Gallops. To access Pastor Carl and to listen to his podcast anytime, visit carlgallops.com. Thanks for listening.